This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Get Started Investing, a podcast where we attempt to answer the most common money and investing questions from our community. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. A massive congratulations on starting your investing journey. We do strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. Now, while we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal circumstances. Uh, All information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only. With that said, let's crack on. My name is Bryce and as always joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Excited for the 10th episode of our Under the Hood series. 10th, hopefully not the last. I think this uh, is a a series that we want to bring back because it has been a great opportunity for us to both build our skills when it comes to analyzing ETFs, but then also get under the hood and understand what's going on with some of the most popular ETFs in Australia. And we are closing out with two of the most popular ETFs of in the equity mates community yeah. of late, yes. both related to the uh, climate theme and ESG, uh, global carbon and hydrogen. Yes, can't wait. Uh, Blair in our last episode, Ren, said that they said that there were 9,000 listed ETFs globally. So this series could go on for a long, could, could. long time. <laughs> We're talking about Blair as if he's not here, but he is actually sitting right next to us. So. Blair, welcome. <laughs> well, hopefully there's not 9,000 experts as well. Like, oh, no, no, no. You, you my have job is very yeah. You've got a lot of work to do. You've got a lot of work to do. But no, a massive thank you to uh, Global X for supporting um, the Under the Hood series. As we said in episode one, it's something that we've been wanting to get off the ground for a while for good reason, because so many people in the community ask us for the best ways to analyze ETFs. And and we've covered sort of 10 ways in which you can think about analyzing ETFs, but there are so many more. But yes, Ren, Global X, Global Carbon ETF and the Global X Hydrogen ETF. Full disclosure, I do own the Hydrogen ETF. And we are answering the question today, how do we invest in emerging asset classes and technologies with ETFs? Mm. It's a massive question. And it's an exciting one to close out with. Yeah, and and I think there's no bigger emerging trend at the moment than the climate change trend and like emerging technology to confront climate change. Uh, I think we said it in another episode that we recorded this morning. I honestly forget where we say these things. It might have been on social media. Um, But the first uh, generation of ESG and climate funds really seem to focus on screening things out, you know, like removing oil companies and stuff like that. But the next generation that we're seeing now, like these two, it's really about like the technologies that are coming that are 
trying to confront this issue and trying to make the world better, I guess. You were at the forefront of, I guess, looking at these themes and deciding there's an ATF here. Talk to us about the process internally of saying this theme is emerging, we think we can make an ATF around it. The ESG ideas, the negative screening, pull things out on a, on a base index and then playing a thematic towards, in the case of this climate change, decarbonisation, that whole move, are two very different things. You know, I'll give you an example that makes it very obvious. So if you, a lot of the negative screened Australian equity funds, ETFs that are out there, pull out some of the mining companies where some of the decarbonisation funds that we have are built around mining, the things you need, and we talked about this in the past, in the past episode, around building the infrastructure for the future. So they're, they're very different ways. And I think ESG had a bit of its time in the sun there for a little while because of that that sort of under allocation to things like resources. Tech had a really good run, great. You know, this is performing, sweet spot. That's obviously changed. And we, what we've seen is, is that ESG probably isn't, again, the people I speak to in the market, as popular or as like vital as it was before. And that's, that's, that's not to say it's not going to be around for a long time. It's, there's a lot of value in it. Uh, but it's very different than the, playing the thematic around, and I think this is possibly, and I won't generalise around your audience, but these are easier digestible ideas to say, hey, I like the idea of... It's part of your portfolio. I mean, to speak personally, the idea of negative screening and taking things out is all well and good, but you, uh, we're at a stage where we need to see positive steps. We need to see investment in things, not just wiping our hands away from things. And I think, you know, a lot of these funds uh, offer that to investors. But the way that these two funds do it that we're talking about today do it in slightly different ways. So uh, Hydrogen, HGen, invests in companies, yep. uh, in the equity of companies, whereas uh, the, this carbon ETF, GCO2, uh, invest in carbon credits, which are sort of like an emerging asset class in and of themselves. Yeah, and this is this gets to the heart of uh, really again about, and we talked about this in the last episode, non-equity or alternative asset style classes, and we won't like down that rabbit hole again necessarily with something we're going to the bonds, but uh, <laughs> let's do it. We've done, no, we've done that, <laughs> and the run's already fast yeah, forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the case of these two, you got. Uh, Yes, it's a theme. It's a theme that's based around hydrogen that's then allocating to companies that are built out, you know, building out as part of that theme. Great. You think about carbon credits, you could you could technically build a company that, uh, sorry, an ETF that is buying companies that are low carbon. There's probably one of them out there, certainly in the US, or transitioning to low carbon. Again, there's definitely one of those in the US. In the case where we went for this, it's much more around, let's get access to the actual carbon credits, so the actual underlying. Now, the problem for that is is that's very difficult. Again, we spoke about this in the last episode. An ETF wrapper is that technology that opens the door for everyone to play in this space. The way that we're doing this in, in particular, and we'll talk about this in a moment around the sort of things like synthetic and different ways, you know, that, are, that are, these are branded, but is actually by the, a futures contract over the carbon credits, mostly in things like Europe and the US and the UK, um, that then helps you track that index. You know, again, this is a passive ETF to make sure that you're in line with that and, you know, getting the outcome of that. But going to that point I just made earlier, and there is going to be some changes to this, ASIC, our friends at ASIC are making some changes around how ETFs are prescribed, um, which, is, which will be great. Um, they're sort of getting rid of that, 
you know, what you might see if you log into whoever your CompSec now or whatever you mm. trade with. You know, if you went to GCO2 now, behind it, it would say synthetic, which means it's not equity based, it's not physically backed, like we're not in holding the name. In the name. Yeah, right. It has to be in the name. Yeah. They're going to change that to, I believe, complex. So, what, there's nothing wrong with a complex ETF. All it says and all it means for you as an investor, do more of your homework. Yeah, yeah. Make sure. It, that is going to be suitable for you. And we talked about this in the past again in previous episodes. What your expectations are now and how it's going to meet your outcomes. Because if it's not, if you if if you buy thinking it's going to be X and it turns out to be Y, that's what maybe that's where it's going to come come from. So hopefully that sort of slight changing the naming conventions will help again people. Off topic, but are they going to do that for any non-equity ETF? Is it going to be complex or? Uh, I don't believe so. It depends on what it depends on what it is. Like a bond ETF probably won't be That'll complex. Be yeah. Um, it depends on truly on the complexity of the actual underlying so fund. I imagine it's like uh, what we spoke with David about with the physical gold is holds gold. It's, it is what it is. But then there are other gold ETFs that like synthetically track the price of gold. Yeah, and, and there's gold who, by gold miners, yeah, which are yeah. equities. So it just depends, again, whatever you, you as an investor need to decide what's right for you. Mm. Uh, it might be gold and you want to own the bullion. There's reasons for that. Or you might like, I, I want to, buy the gold miners because you get more leverage to the gold. Like up to you, up to you. Just knowing what that is, knowing what you're buying and how, what it represents is going to be really important. So with emerging asset classes and using both of these ETFs as examples, how do you think about like time horizon when it comes to these ETFs and, and putting them in portfolios? I think we talked about it or oh, episode one, two, two. two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You've had me on too many, and that means <laughs> yeah. some people have got very bored <laughs> of me. Yeah. Uh, two, episode two. two about battery tech. Okay, tech and about lithium. the S curve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the S curve, something I go to a lot because it helps you understand the time horizons that are going to be needed to capture what is, you know, hopefully your return for this and how much risk you're taking on. So in the case of something like hydrogen, it is a very nascent technology. Certainly in the green hydrogen, blue hydrogen space, we're very much at the early days of that, and at a scalable, uh, scalable level. So what you're doing is you're buying that. Again, just know that is the case because there is potential that some of these companies are going to have more volatility up and downs. But as it moves up that curve and the growth starts to kick up and there's obviously a lot of research around the, you know, where it's going, whether it's from the McKinsey's of the world or you know, whoever it's from, that have these big numbers under it, you know, the targets. If it meets those targets, you'll obviously get the return out of that. But understand that that's not always going to be possible. So that's, I think that's where you talk about time horizons a lot of these, you know, emerging asset class, emerging technologies are going to have long time horizons. Yeah. Just know the risk and return profile you're taking. You're taking on more risk to hopefully get more return. Yeah. Uh, and again, the second part of that is understand what you're buying as the structure of the ETF too. That's going to help. And always, if, if you're concerned or you don't really understand, reach out to the issuer. They'll explain it to you. Um, they'll make sure it's clear. If it's not clear on the website, whatever it is, call them up, send them an email, whatever it is, and they'll help you out with that. Well, let's stick on hydrogen because uh, we want to go under the hood of that one. Um, it is such a hot topic in the equity mates community, the potential. I think it's particularly exciting for Australian investors because of the potential that Australia has to lead. It's not like a global technology that we're watching from afar. It's one that we can be on the forefront of. So let's get into it. And as we've done for the last nine episodes, and we're going to do for this one again, when we go under the hood of an ETF, we start with what it's trying to do, the purpose, how it's trying to do that, the index it tracks, then how much it costs to do that. So let's start with the purpose. 
Uh, we've kind of already covered it, but let's just make it explicit. What's the purpose of this ETF? So again, this is where the headline of it, so tracking the sole active global hydrogen ESG index, gives you a little bit, <laughs> but probably... You just must love saying under the... How many times have you said under the hood? Oh, so, <laughs> so many. So many. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go under the hood. Uh, hey, that's branding for you. <laughs> yeah. So the idea here is, yes, it's to invest in hydrogen, generally hydrogen companies, but it's across a, a, the broader value chain. So we talked about this, again, with ACDC and electric vehicles, lithium, battery technology. This is around producers, electrolyzers, manufacturers, fuel cell companies, you know, even logistics firms that are built around this because this is certainly going to be used for transport and mm-hmm. sort of a core to it. So it is truly value chain uh, across the scope because that's going to be helpful than rather being, and we again talked about this in a previous episode, when you want to think about thematic and investability, you don't want to have three companies, four companies, it's too narrow. Mm. You want to be broad enough that you're capturing what is truly the theme here and, that's, and that those encapsulations are going to help with that. Yeah. So you mentioned the index, the Selective Global Hydrogen ESG Index, which brings us to fees, 0.69%. Now, I just want to pause there because it is one of the more expensive ETFs that we've uh, used as an example across the series. And people may have sort of identified that the more sort of niche, I guess, the ETFs get in some instances, the more expensive they become. Is that true and why is that the case? Yeah, it's true uh, and probably will remain being true. I think there's a couple of things that come to ETF pricing. One is certainly scale. So what you what you find is with the big guys in town who are lowering fees, they are the by far the largest ETFs on the on the market. And that scale then helps you, you know, be able to drive the price down, which is great for everyone. There is essentially no real losers other than the people who are issuing. It hurts their revenue, but that's great for any all the investors. So that's, that's awesome. But when it comes to thematics or the more nuanced on each ones, all those rules that are built into the ETF and in the underlying index, that takes a lot more work, mm. more work at the index level, more work at the, uh, the trading level, more work at the portfolio manager level. So that it inherently comes with higher fees. Again, there is a possibility that if one of these more thematic ETFs becomes huge, there is a chance that they you can cut fees, uh, but you know, you're generally going to see higher fees across mm-hmm. thematics than you would. The way I look at it, it's just a slight premium to get access to something that would, would otherwise be quite difficult to get access to. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and just we talked about this again in a previous episode, a lot of these companies you're probably unlikely to have heard of mm. anyway. So it's, again, building a, a portfolio, a diversified portfolio of companies that gives you access to the thing that someone else has done the work to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, and you might pay a premium for that. But, you know, we're transparent. Every, all, you, if you want to buy those companies yourself, you can. It's on the website. Yeah. Uh, but we find most people, it's like, well, I'm happy to pay because that's going to change. It's going to rebalance. Other companies going to come along. Uh, someone else doing the work for me. Uh, and then, Ren, we'll just uh, close out with performance. Um, as I said, I do own this ETF, so I, I'm feeling it. Uh, one, well, the one-year return is down 26.8%. Tough year for hydrogen. Tough year for hydrogen. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that's not surprising for these emerging asset classes. Like mm. the volatility is high. It's much higher. Yeah. You, this is we talked about this story in the time horizon. It is long term. You need to understand the risk. The risk is that there is going to be more volatility, and two that if you're buying it, that you expect to be there. Yes. Whatever that period is, 10, 15, whatever that number is, it's up to you. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, because that's you know that's where the payoff kicks in is yeah. in the in the long term, not yeah. not in the short term. Yeah. And I think like you know last episode we were speaking about a bond ETF. This episode we're speaking about a a hydrogen ETF. And 
they're two things that look very similar in your brokerage account. And if you buy both of them, they appear as the same, you know, they appear the same on your brokerage statement, just different lines, but they act and should be invested in very differently. 100%. Yeah. All right, well, let's have a look at geography sectors and top holdings, Ren. Where are we at? Yeah, geography confu- uh, surprised me. And, uh, you know, maybe it's just because I'm a proud Australian, but no Australia in this ETF. We've got the US leading the charge. That has been a recurring theme for a lot of these ETFs. Not surprising given how large the US market is, but about a third of the ETF is in the US, 15% in South Korea, uh, Britain, Norway, Taiwan, uh, rounding out the top five. But Blair, where's Australia? It's just, this is, again, it's a, it's a nascent technology. It's not, what are, we, what are we really good at? We're really good at pulling things out of the ground that we have a huge abundance of. So it's not really in that space. I know there's a couple of kind of, you know, anecdotal news stories that are happening around the edges that Australia wants, wants to get into this business um, and, you know, can lead the world in it, possibly. Um, but we're, 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 behind, we're behind in a lot of things in terms of decarbonisation. We really are. This is just another one of them. You could have just turned around to me and said, where are the Australian listed hydrogen companies? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's the answer. Yeah. But, but the real answer is, is that Australians aren't, you think about electric vehicles, we're not investing in infrastructure. The, good, the one good area we kill it at is rooftop solar. Oh, yeah. We are the world leader. It's the lowest cost, you know, probably globally. But a lot of those other areas, we just, we aren't, yeah. Swinging as a technology country for the fences. Yeah. We have a lot of sunlight, which is positive for green hydrogen if we can swing for the fences. Oh, in this the is one of the side. things every time we have conversations about hydrogen, it's always, oh, Australia has such potential. It's like, come on, mm. <laughs> get going. Yeah. Anyway, Twiggy's anyway, trying. Yeah. We don't expect trying. you to solve that. Yeah. Place, so. <laughs> Definitely not for my chair. And, and I think that there would probably be some people listening who um, are thinking Fortescue Future Industries because, um, you know, Twiggy uh, Forrest has been front and centre of this hydrogen debate and uh, he's investing uh, a lot of Fortescue's, well, some of Fortescue's money into uh, hydrogen. And so they'd be wondering why it doesn't, um, Fortescue fit in this. I imagine there's a revenue screen. It's always, it's always like, what's the business in general trying to do? Where does, uh, I'd say, 100% of Fortescue's revenue come from? <laughs> not oh, iron ore. Yeah, yeah. Iron, maybe a little bit nickel. Like, yeah, this is, I'm not saying that they're not, he's not doing a good thing. Mm. Great. Um, he's obviously, you know, very much environmental focused and it's wonderful, but that doesn't mean it's an investable company in, a, in an ETF mm. that is built around hydrogen. So if he was to say spin that out, there was a bunch of different revenue that came from those that, and he started to work on it, different story, yeah. but not as, not as Fortescue in, in and of itself. Yeah. 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 Well, let's take a look at the top 10 holdings. Um, Fortescue is obviously not in there, but Blair, can you talk us through what, what, are, what are perhaps top three? The two most well-known companies in this space, again, US-based technological drilling companies, Bloom and Plug Power, they're essentially the world leaders in this space. Uh, you might have already talked about them on, on podca- podcasts in the past, but at the forefront of technological advancement around hydrogen fuel cells, around distribution, production, these sorts of things, like they, these guys are up there. If you really go through, if you probably scan through that top 10, I think it says fuel cell in about three or four of them in their name. Yeah. So yeah. you can see where this is going. You know, the purpose is essentially fuel cells, somewhat battery-like in terms of how they do. You know, obviously need to pump fuel in, but that's that's the again the forefront of this. But you know, with this being a focus on blue and green hydrogen, you know, you don't want the the, the, the black and brown, which is you know actually just as bad for the 
the, the, the economy than, and and the, sorry the the um, the globe than than it is. So you want to focus on the good ones, and this is this is where some of these top ten are really playing in that space. Yeah. Mm. For Pete, we, we've used the term blue, green, brown, hydrogen just a few times. Um, just for uh, clarity, uh, green hydrogen is made from renewable energy. Blue hydrogen is made from natural gas, and brown or black hydrogen is made from uh, coal or fossil fuels. Fossil fuels. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, the purpose of all this. Again, we talk about decarbonisation idea is you want to decarbonise. If you're using a fossil fuel to bring in another fuel, well, that kind of negates the whole yeah, purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned Bloom Energy and Plug Power. Between the two of them, they make up uh, almost 20% of, uh, of the ETF. Some other big names in there, Ballard Power, Fuel Cell Energy, as you said, um, Air Liquid, which has appeared in a couple of ETFs. I, I think, think it was in the Eurostox. I think it was in Eurostox, yeah. Yeah, some right? of these companies yeah, are yeah. starting to get some traction uh, but again, as we talked about from the return profile, they're going to be volatile. Mm. Um, they're going to be volatile because they're, they're, they've got a bunch of different inputs. One of those is energy prices globally. And as we've seen recently, energy prices have come off. Mm. We've seen OPEC now have to essentially cut production to increase their, their oil price. So this is at the whim of energy prices for sure. Mm. This is a major input to this type of industry. Yeah. Uh, if you know, like, I'll give you an example, right? If we can somehow get wind and solar down to essentially not free but very close to it the ability for hydrogen to drive you know decarbonisation gains is going to be lower same for nuclear these sorts of things but the, the purpose of this decarbonisation idea and some of these companies in this space obviously is we all know that not, it's not always it's not going to be one thing that's going to solve yeah. this problem yeah. everyone's going to all these things are going to play a role in some mix yeah well, and hydrogen also is a way to transport energy through space and time. Like if you get renewables down to almost free, you ha- hydrogen still plays a role in transporting it to where you can't generate it or eh, anyway, beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> so Blair, uh, for, a, for an ETF like this or for ETFs sort of taking it back to the, to, to the start that give us access to emerging trends in industries, what role do they play in our portfolio? How would you think about them? Yeah, and this goes really back to that, and we talked about it in the last episode, core and satellite as a, as a function of asset allocation. I hope people don't turn it off when they, we talk asset allocation because it isn't the most you know, exciting topic, but it's so, Super important. It's so, impor- it's so mm. important. And it is the satellites because you, you're unlikely to, you think about how you build a portfolio, you know, allocate 40% like you have, Bryce. I'm, not, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> to, to hydrogen because you're going to get this volatility. Mm. Uh, so it is likely to be a satellite. So what we commonly see, again, not advice, we, you know, it's up to you how you want to allocate to the portfolio. These, these can sit, you know, between sort of 2 and 5% in a portfolio as your sort of your sort of shot to some of these areas. Yeah. Now, what will happen is if they have really strong growth, that will grow. Mm-hmm. How you rebalance, again, yeah, is it in a portfolio? It's up to you. Um, but that's that's commonly what we're doing at the base level is we remember we're rebalancing these portfolios back. So it is something to think about as well. Yeah, and I think the important thing with something, uh, you know, we're talking about emerging trends here, carbon credits as well. It's like you could be 100% right on the thesis but if regulations change or other technology changes, all of a sudden the thesis changes out from under you. And so it's like, yeah, just you, it's not an active ETF, but you just have to be a little bit more active in keeping an eye on what's going on in the sector as opposed to some of the, the other th- themes or even just some of the core holdings where, where you can sort of dollar cost average into the S&P 500 and not really track how those 500 companies are doing day to day. It's exactly right. So it's, it's, 
long term, if not ultra long term, but it's not set and forget. It's not bottom draw. Like you need to be participating in, in and understanding what you're investing in. That doesn't mean on a bad month sell out necessarily. Mm. It just means keep reviewing these these parts of the satellite because they are going to be more high risk, high return. They might not be suitable for you in two years' time. They mm. might still be. You might, you might want to double down. I don't know. But mm. like you just need to, you need to keep an eye on them. Who knows? In 60 years when Bryce is retiring, hydrogen could be the main way that we That's it. Uh, consume fuel and it's, it's core. That's it. That's <laughs> it's, it. I've it's just, like oil. I've just run the numbers and at current market valuation – uh, it only makes up zero point uh, one point zero five seven percent of my portfolio, so I'm sweet. <laughs> listening, to, listening to my non device, yeah, <laughs> no, non device. Yeah. There you go. So very, very much in my in my satellite approach. But um, we set out at the top to answer the question: How do we invest in emerging asset classes and technologies? And it's time and time again uh, we can, we've demonstrated that through ETFs you get access to emerging asset classes, technologies, and also some of your more traditional non-equity asset classes like we spoke about with uh, Blair in episode nine. But that does bring us to the end of our Under the Hood series with Global X. Uh, it's been an absolutely awesome 10-part series. Thank you so much to Global X for supporting us, for providing uh, the research teams, for providing the experts to come on the shows, Kanish, Blair, Jess, David. It's been awesome. You guys have been you know, super helpful and super informative. And I really do hope that over the 10 episodes, we've been able to help answer a lot of the big questions when it comes to analyzing ETFs. Um, so Blair, thank you so much. Uh, check out GlobalX uh, on their website, globalxetfs.com.au. Uh, they have over 30 targeted products globally, uh, over a million clients in 95 countries. And as I said, really pride themselves on the industry leading research team and global access that they have. Plenty of information and resources available on their website as, uh, as well as on our website. We've been able to, uh, throughout the series, uh, push some of their white papers. So, Ren, that's, uh, that's a wrap. Blair, thank you so much. No, it was, uh, it was awesome, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Blair. We'll have to get you back for the other 8,990. <laughs> you have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.